Welcome to the party, pals. I'm Phil Gawthorne, action movie screenwriter. And I'm Liam Billingham, movie podcaster. And together we host Die Hard on a Blank, a podcast from Sugar23 that explores the influence of Die Hard on action cinema. In each episode, we'll talk about one major action movie that was released after Die Hard. Now, some of these movies take place on a bus. On a boat. Or even a roadhouse. Uh, sure. The point is, these are action movies that couldn't exist without Die Hard, and its DNA is everywhere. Die Hard on a Blank is a celebration of action movies and a deep dive into the ways that Die Hard shaped the action genre. So if you're a casual fan or an action movie Die Hard. Ooh, very nice. Then Die Hard on a Blank is for you. Yes, you personally. Our first two episodes, which are all about the original 1988 masterpiece Die Hard, drop December 21st, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, wherever you get your podcasts. Phil, do the line. Now we have a podcast. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Hi, everybody. This is Liam Billingham, co-host of Oeuvre Busters. Before we jump into this week's episode on John Cassavetti's love streams, I'd like to share a little bit of criticism that we received. You know, normally in this slot is reserved for all the positive reviews and feedback we get. But here at Oeuvre Busters Corp, we like to be honest when we get useful and constructive criticism. So our most recent episode on John Cassavetti's Gloria, we discussed Lawrence Tierney, who has a small role as the bartender and also maybe most famously appeared in Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs as Joe. However, Levi's Whirling a listener, and a recent Cassavetti's convert sent me a text message earlier today, which reads, You really blew it with your Lawrence Tierney introduction. His most important role was Alton Bennis. So for those of you who did not waste your youth, like Levi watching and re-watching Seinfeld, Alton Bennis is the father of Elaine Bennis, played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and appeared for 10 minutes in the third episode of the second season, The Jacket. Levi, thank you for this very, very critical reminder for the history of cinema. Really important to remember this one. (sighs) No new reviews this week. Levi, why don't you take a minute and write a review? Did you think of that? We do have 13 five-star reviews and one four-star review, which is pretty nice. If you have a minute, please take the time to rate, review, subscribe, write a review of the show. We'd really love to read your review on the air, especially if it's good. If it's bad, well, we'll just argue with you like I just did with a text message on the air. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. (coughs) Coughing. I'm George Fergopoulos, and I'm not coughing. I'm Liam Billingham, and I'm coughing. And this is... Oh, I slipped on your is. Wait, can we say that? Let's do the whole this, thing This again. is an E, right? Oh, I was, no, we just got with you. Yes, yeah, so welcome to Uberbusters, the sick edition. I've got a cold. Oh, you're talking I'm first? a sick little boy. Oh. Um, George, what movie are we talking about? We're talking about, if I have to flip over, why do I have to flip yeah, over? It's Love the, Streams. Love Streams. 1984. 1984, the final film. We are deep fucking... The, not the final film, but the base, penultimate. The, the penultimate, but in some ways, maybe the final film from John Cassavetes. And we'll talk about them when we record the episode for we that movie. We are once, which is called Big Trouble. Big Trouble. So, uh, Love Streams, 1984, we're knee-deep in the Reagan era, 
or if I didn't already say that. Uh, knee deep. Yeah. That, How long has he been? Uh, too, at this point, already too long. Yeah. Tell that me dog about. from Chinese Bookies, Secretary of Commerce. We know we know all about that. We know how that went. It's terrible. Do Don't do this again. He sold uh, arms to the Contras. It was a shit show. Oh, anyway. I knew it. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, Cassavetes, Jenner Allens, Seymour Casella, the headliners. So, returning, returning uh, all, his, all his general, all the people he works mm-hmm. with all the time. They're all back. And to summarize this film very briefly, uh, Robert uh, Har- Harmon. Harmon. Robert Harmon is a writer is a writer and a kind of obviously kind of a committed bachelor man about and, town and playboy if yeah if you will seems to have unlimited funds <laughs> totally um he has a falling out obviously with his uh, wife slash secretary when uh, it's unclear who she is who has a daughter who he loves and basically it's about him reuniting with his sister played by jenna rowlands uh, and basically what happens to them because uh, she's also going through a divorce and child custody issues. So the first hour of the film is them separated and we're not really clear how these stories interact until Jenna Rollins shows up at his house how, and they yeah. spend some time together and she sort of um, re sort of connects with him and then leaves him again at the end of the film. And it's sort of about their relationship yep. and the way that they impact each other in their lives. And that's pretty much how the film What did you goes. think of the film? I thought, again, as with um, almost all Casavetti's movies. Yes. There's some really brilliant moments. Mm-hmm. And the second half, this is like almost like an inverse of, of Husbands where like the first half of Husbands was brilliant and the second half right. to be kind of really f- yeah. failed. Uh, I thought this was like a complete reversal. Like the first half to me was like hit or miss in a way that uh-huh. the second half I was like, I was totally fucking bored because the second, also like the last half hour of this film gets so fucking surreal. It's crazy. Yeah. I think it's his best film. Dun, dun, dun. I like, think it is like drop. I think it's like perfect it is i love everything goddamn about this movie it's like it's it's monstrous though too at some point i I texted you and i was like i don't know what to do with this movie oh i loved it it's like it's like so i it's a sickness i um oh yeah i have a cold Uh, and a widow fever my tummy's funny i saw this film at bam as part of their um programmer series on love and so i was in a movie theater with a bunch of other people the theater was, was sold out um and george didn't come because i'm a sellout i'm a poser i'm just doing this for the likes um and <laughs> cassavetti's likes what's a film director so uh it uh i was completely blown away by it i thought it was hilarious i thought it was funny i thought it was the the best i i really mean this i think it's the best film he made wow okay. yep yeah is there any reason in particular why you feel it was well possible? so this will come back to our conversation about uh like i'm really into directors whose movies are the most of them like you mean um, masterpieces you could yeah that's what i would so to me it's like this isn't a masterpiece in the traditional i I'm, i hate i fucking hate that word i fucking hate that word but Which is what why i, I brought it what up. i think is great about it is it's the most john cassavetes of john cassavetes movies it's like he saved his the film that was the most him for the end and with that comes the most extreme elements of the i, I brought a friend to see the film and like 20 minutes and she leaned over and she was like i fucking hate this guy robert Harmon. oh yeah like, i hate him he's awful he's very easy to hate and i was like by the end of this film you're gonna like him you know what i mean it's so and did she? yeah I, th- I think she really liked the film i mean i i so to me that the two and a half hours in the movie theater completely like blew by like i felt like that movie was 30 minutes long it just it flew for me but she was like no no you definitely feel the length of that film i mean it's also a tough movie to to see as your first john cassavetes film totally it's advanced cassavetes it's definitely advanced cassavetes but i also think it's like the mo in a way it's still the most distilled there's nothing getting in the way of the narrative it's really 
just there's like you know gloria had this gloria is a really great character movie but it's also a, a, a crime picture and that kind of thing killing of a chinese bookie is also a crime picture this to me is a return to him just making like a, a human drama that's a good point without any of the kind of like trappings of those other things not that those things are bad but i appreciated that it felt felt both maximal and length and the and like the the things that he did to advance the narrative are unlike things he'd done in any of his other films, which I think is really exciting. Um, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was, and it was also minimal in that, like he really also forces you to spend time with these people. He does. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's totally a character piece and it's all about obviously him and, uh, his sister. General Allen's. What's her name? Is it Sarah? Sarah, right? Sarah is his sister's name. That's correct. Where did you watch? Do you watch the film at home? I watched it at home. It On a, what it platform? An, it was an iTunes rental. So the film begins right. in this really kind of ambiguous way where Cassavetes is being yelled at by a woman that I assumed was his wife in the you film. You assumed his wife. It's his assistant, um, or so to speak. And he's with his daughter, and we never see this child again. And this is like a moment to... No, we see her again a little bit later. We? Yeah, she comes back. I don't remember seeing her again. But this is a moment also where we kind of see him as, um, if not a caring father, at least a father to, right. this, to this young woman. Um, and then there's like... Um, and I thought the, I thought they were going somewhere else, right? But then there's a, there's a cut and they're out, or no, the, it begins with them outside. They move up to the house and there's like... A All these women of young women of young women living in the house living in the house and i texted you i think well no they're not living in the house they've just come into the house they've just come into the house and, and they're just hanging out and asking chilling. them questions and this is also where like one of the themes of the uh movie um comes up for the first time because he, he asked one of this one of these women like oh tell me about tell me your secret like give me a secret system and, like every beautiful woman has a secret or i try to find yeah try to pull out of very women. weird yeah like this, these secrets that they have and this is a theme this is something that repeats like over and over and over right. again but the film uh and i found it like a really interesting motif and idea even though again i really didn't have anything much to say about it and actually now that i'm thinking about it, it reminded me of uh like simone de beauvoir in the second sex who says like oh like men have throughout history have turned women into enigmas and this is very much like doing the same thing mm. about like objectifying well, her he's also a writer and he's uh, i don't know he's a writer and we also don't know what kind of writer but he kind of reads as like maybe a philip roth Maybe a, a pension, sure. maybe a, I don't know, someone who probably writes more about more Philip Roth, more Philip Roth. Yeah, I don't I can't. I've only read a little bit of both those guys, but kind of this like probably very sexual quality. It's remarked in the film a few times that he writes women better than anyone else, I feel like, which is like probably said by another man. Right. Yeah. Um, From what I remember. But he's kind of this like he's sort of like this like very cliche writer character from the film and I, I think the movie explodes that a little bit in its running time which makes it a, not as like insufferable and as he it looks might have haggard been. in this film he looks terrible yeah. he looks and he's like four or five years away he from got death. the diagnosis that he had cirrhosis of the liver um right before starting to shoot the movie and it obviously fits the character well as well <laughs> yeah well, he's a big drinker he's a big drinker um yeah he's he's inviting these women into his house and he's, he's asking them questions like what do you like to do for fun and they're clearly like in their early 20s they're very if young. that and like this like 45 50 year old maybe even older man asking these questions like a little bit of an interrogation they don't really know how to answer and like what becomes clear is he's paying them to be in his home yeah well that becomes clear later on right it comes right. later on so after this scene where do we end up so after this scene we cut and we um are in the courthouse with sarah we don't know it's a courthouse at first. It's we just like a, a nondescript room, but, uh, yeah. but we cut to Sarah sitting in a room with her daughter. Sarah played by Jenna Rollins in like another 
pretty titanic performance. She's amazing. Uh, uh, and we quickly find out it's a courthouse. Right. And there's a woman there. She's the judge. Uh, and, a lawyer enters. And who walks in behind the lawyer but Seymour Cassell? Seymour Cassell. But you, did you recognize the lawyer? No, I did not recognize the lawyer. I was, too, I was too, again, enamored by his mustache. So the lawyer is the guy from the beginning of Booking and Killing of a Chinese Bookie? Oh, the guy who outside? Who outside. I did not know this is Al Rubin. Al Rubin was a cinematographer for all these films. Oh. Yep. He shot Love Streams, Opening Night, Holy Fuck, Killing of a Chinese Bookie, Woman Under the Influence, and Faces. He also produced most of those films and Minnie and Moskowitz and Husbands. So big part of the the family. Yeah. Did you hear what I said about the sequel? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> that this, this is like a secret Minnie Moskowitz sequel? It, no, that's that's actually something that, what's his name, argues in the... Um, oh, does it? Not in the sense that he's like, they're playing. So what's but interesting about Seymour, Seymour Cassell and... Jenna Rollins are playing older versions in a way of maybe the characters they played in Minnie and Moscow. Totally, like, yeah. Because um, he also has that same look. And Cassavetes, from the other Carney book, um, told him actually to like have that same kind of look. For the mustache. Yeah, with the mustache. And the hair's a little bit long. It's not, quite, a little bit it's, long. It's not as long but as But they're both muted. Minnie they Moscow. both clearly have like... Uh, the, this is also a film about aging and they're weathered. Um, it's and, very interesting. And they have like a uh, you know really kind of like tense back and forth. Jenna Rollins at some point describes her job as somebody who... Uh, goes to funerals and hangs and out with sick people. I just assumed she was a nurse. His family is very, very important to her. Um, it's interesting that she says, "I go to funerals." I go to funerals. I yeah. also think it's really again smart casting to cast Seymour Cassell because he's so sympathetic. You don't know much about their marriage except what they say to each other, and like divorced people probably aren't as um, forthcoming. Yeah. About this kind, of, like you know, like we don't really know was he a monster? We, I mean, it's all subjective, right? But. It's hard to believe that Seymour Cassell could be a nightmare. I guess if you think about I'm man, Moskowitz. I'm, I'm but a man with a mustache like that. How can that person be, <laughs> be a, a terrible problem. human being? Am I right? Agreed. And this is, I, I believe, uh, when it's decided that the child will be spending the majority of the time with the father. So initially it's the mom. And then later she's like, mother, I don't want to spend oh, time. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. She's... So uh, we get the sense that, that, that this is a family that's falling apart and maybe... Um, Sarah is a bit overwhelming, is a bit of a difficult mother, is a bit obsessed with her family. And this is interesting because the feeling that I get, at least from the film, and I'm not I'm not the first, this is actually a little bit referenced in the carny, is that Robert Harmon pays people to spend time with him because he doesn't want real connections between people and all the sister wants is connections to other people. Uh, She's, you know what I mean? Like they're sort of damaged in opposite ways. Like, yeah, they're they're codependent. I mean, they're co- I mean, it's a they movie are. about codependency, yeah, 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 which comes up later in the film. So after this scene, where do we head? So then we cut uh, back to uh, Robert, who is at some like nightclub. It's just, he's at it's, a nightclub. It's very kind of like jarring. He's like at a nightclub. He's taking this performance. Got a little bit of an eyes wide shot quality <laughs> to it. Like, a what are bit. we doing? And it seems <laughs> yeah. like one of those. Like, you have to wear a tuxedo. It seems like the kind of place that you get invited to. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's this point also that we find out. So we, uh, Robert's clearly like enamored by the singer on the stage, right? Um, who I should have gotten this this actress's name. I didn't get Diane Abbott. Diane Abbott. Yep. Um, so she's doing her thing on the stage. He's propositioned by a man in drag. He's proposed. Well, I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, there's def- This is a really interesting moment because you have to wonder. Well, this man also comes back later too. Right. So he, this a senior suit later. Yeah. Um, and it's a man in drag, mm-hmm. and uh, and he asks him like, "Oh, what are you doing here?" And Robert says, "Oh, I'm researching a book." Right. He's researching a book. Yeah. But also. There's a little, at least to me, there was a little quality that like maybe Robert Harmon wanted to get down with a guy. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. yeah or the, I guess in this case, like a 
a man in drag. I don't know. It's unclear. Like you know, like where what what exactly is going on? But he seems curious. <clears> I was wor- I was worried that the scene was gonna get really crazy, like homophobic. It doesn't, and it doesn't thankfully because at some point he says something like I forgot exactly what he says. Um, does he also say say to him though? Does Robert say to uh, the guy who's picking him up or trying to pick him up like, "Oh, all beautiful women have a secret," and cut somewhere around there? There's there's a little bit of that. There's a little to bit it. of that. Yeah, too, this yeah. is another fun of these films that has a disjointed kind of narrative to it, or it just it jumps around a little bit. So we watch this kind of play out, and it's an interesting scene because it's actually one of the few moments in the film where Robert seems kind of sheepish. Yeah, he's yeah. not really like sure not how totally to handle yeah, the moment. Control, um, which is not. But he seems kind of almost like flattered and clearly like not interested. You know, it's interesting to think about again, like the later career John Cassavetes, because I don't, I don't think I would guess. We've talked about this before, but I would guess that uh, John Cassavetes uh, probably was a man like all men of that age who um, probably outwardly progressive, inwardly conservative, in the sense that like. I don't know. I think a little bit about my upbringing and like my dad was pretty like my dad actually always expressed a desire to dress and drag, which I thought was hilarious. But also <laughs> like, I think my dad was kind of like, eh, whatever. I don't, people can do whatever they right. want, but I think he had like a deep, felt, a deep, deep, like I think he had a lot of, like, I don't think he, he could like have be comfortably like around a, a person in, in drag or, or a person, you know, something like that. Like I probably, my guess would be that like, later career there's a little bit maybe of a reflection of who john cassavetes was at this point he's kind of like the world is changing he's been making movies for 20 30 years at this point the medium has changed it's a whole different thing and it's like an interesting moment to reflect on yeah you know husband's era john cassavetes imagine this character in husband's oh it was impossible yeah impossible because he also directly asks him he goes are you straight so like sexuality is clearly there, it's right, 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 like, right, right. Instead of it, there's any like subtext and to what's happening. We're here. also like, talking about trying to pick him up, right? We're also talking about a Reagan moment, and you know Reagan wasn't what we would describe as like very fuck John, fuck fuck Ronald Reagan. We might describe him as a piece of shit. Yeah, we might describe him as a total <laughs> piece of shit. So then it cuts to uh, Robert hanging out with the singer, and he's like buying her drinks, and he's trying to like romance her. Yes, uh, and, and this he's is very drunk. Yeah, he's very drunk, and th- talk about problematic. Um, because basically what he does is like abduct her. <laughs> they he gets in her car. He gets in her car. They <clears> drunk. <throat> he drives drunk. She's driving initially and he's, doesn't he like push her out of the way and like, yeah, take yeah, over? yeah. Well, and he then she tries himself to into drive. her car and then he crashes the car into uh, another car. Yeah. And, and then, she, then she tries to take over. Sorry, go ahead. She, she tries to take over. Oh no, she driving. tries to take over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and eventually they make it to her house. Um, <laughs> she quickly gets out of the car right he follows her up the steps and this is where he takes like a tumble down the steps he falls down the steps and, and he, she becomes sympathetic and she too. becomes sympathetic and this is where like she takes care of him but why why does she suddenly become sympathetic i, I had this issue too yeah but this is kind of like ugh. Uh, because he again up until that moment this man is like not only just abducting her but clearly in, the, in her mind she was like oh my god i hope he doesn't fucking sexually assault me or rape me well there's that element to it too you know i think that this movie and forgive me if this sounds really ridiculous, but there's there's an element to it be about being like naively in love with people. And I don't mean love in this in love in like the sense that like maybe you would think of it in a traditional sense. But I think that like the two lead characters in this movie in a lot of ways are kind of disasters. They can't really live life in any functional way. Human garbage um, waters. You know, they're they seem to exist off of like I don't, one of the things that I that I, I don't think is a criticism of the film, but I, I wish the film, as a tangent, direct uh, d- referenced their work, their work, like how they make a living a little bit more clearly, because I think that that 
that element, the fact that the film is devoid of thinking about money and stuff like that weakens some of its, weakens my sort of, what do I, what am I saying? It's I not... wish the film referenced money more and how they came about it because I think it, l- it lacks a little bit of like intellectual complexity by not referencing where they're where they're living is coming from i think that's fair uh but that's also more of a fair criticism if you don't believe that this film is really rooted in the type of like cassavetesian cassavetesian cassavetesian-esque surrealism which again really gets ramped up in the last Um, half but the reason i bring i i bring that up is because i think that the movie is about like radical empathy for people who might be disastrous and i think also again not to excuse his behavior but the way he falls down those stairs is so buffoonish and so like clowny that like you know although the i was surprised that they made put like so much blood on his face he's very bloody and he he says something funny at this party because like i'm usually a lot more fun than this and it's very it's also a very self-aware moment you know (laughs) such a great character like this he's a great character he's and he's also the only person that could play this part is john cassavetes there's yeah. no version of this film where it works with Ben Gazzara. There's no version of this film where it works with Peter Falk. Peter Falk, I feel like, would go all 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 respect to Peter Falk. I've spent the past four months with the guy, but um, Peter Falk would probably take it in a more angry direction. Ben Gazzara, I feel, would be very restrained with it. Cassavetes like knows when to go there and knows when to pull back. And gets like the middle. And we haven't spent enough time talking about him as an actor. We've talked about him as an actor a lot, but like, what an amazing actor! Yeah, he's fucking amazing. So she brings him inside the house. She takes care of him. Um, and so and does her mom, mother. The mom's there. This, to me, really paralleled the Cosmo Vitelli relationship and killing of a Chinese boogie. Another reason I love this film, it's a bit of a greatest hits. It oh. covers a lot of ground covered in some of the other films. It does. <clears throat> Ooh, excuse me. Are you okay? Are you emotional? Oh, get, I'm getting, getting so emotional thinking about, this, thinking about where this film's going. Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny because when you mentioned that, does it have, though, it doesn't have the meta stuff about like theater and film. Like opening night does. Yes, it does. And what? And what's it's part? Beca- I mean, the. I mean, I would say that it. It's not about performance, but the final hour of the f- the final forty minutes of the film. Oh, in the sense, okay, really yeah. start to reference like the like the musical. Number? Yeah, the musical number and stuff like that. I was like, am I watching Holy Motors? Like, what the fuck is? Oh, it's so goddamn <laughs> fucking <laughs> good. So um. Then we cut to the courts. Cut back to the court, and this is when Sarah's daughter tells her that mummy. I want to spend time with Daddy. Yeah, I'm, it's really amazing and that you isolated the the audio from the film. The film. Like that. She really sounds. She's like mother. Mother. It, this this is one performance I in the film. It's so hard. It's so it's so hard. You done? I just have to do the Lady Rollins. She's not in this film. I know. No, I don't believe so. No, I think they were. I think they may have been gone. You mean dead? I think so. I think they may not be. Just took a dark turn. Um. So the daughter. It's so hard with kids because it's really hard to get a kid to like do a scene like this. Um, and with the British accent, no less, because this girl is Mummy. from the cornfields in Nebraska. Am I right? No, no, they're in Chicago. No, I know. I'm saying the actress. Oh, I don't get it. I'm just, I don't know. Because you're, because you gave her this, like, you Listen, gave her I'm this, sick. You gave her this mythical English accent, which is Hello. amazing. <laughs> and then her father fall, fall sounds to, a bit like this. Do you want to record the podcast now? <laughs> now I just went into Afrikaans. <laughs> so hey, diplomatic immunity. What's your favorite Lethal Weapon movie? It's been revoked. Uh, you it's ha- just been revoked. It's just been revoked. You gotta go with number one. Yeah, rank the rank the lethal weapon movie. I think it's pretty fucking easy. One, two, three, four. <laughs> so can I tell you my grand unified they, lethal weapon theory? They did make a four, right? Yeah, it's good. That's what jelly. It's so bad, but it's yeah. so good. Um I think Lethal Weapon's the greatest action movie ever made. The first one. Yes. It's better than Die Hard. 
Oh, oh. Because okay, it's why? a character-driven film. It's a character and, and, and not to say that Die Hard isn't, but I think that... But Die Hard reason, has all the Christ-like stuff. The reason... The, the, like it? the walking on the glass... Fucking Christ, dude! Actually, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say you're wrong because if John McTiernan again, that guy has a lot of density. His action films are dense. Like there's a lot. I don't know if you've ever seen the Thirteenth Warrior with Antonio Banderas. I've not. But it is underrated. There's a scene at the beginning where you Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas, where he you watch him learn the language of like John McTiernan. Very, very. He's like sitting. He's watching them at the fire. Very clearly. Uh, I thought you said you hadn't seen them. I seen. I think I seen. I'm getting flashbacks. But he very clearly treats language in a very serious way. He's a big Shakespearean. So like, there's a lot of actual. I mean, not to say that that's Christ-like, but like. There's a lot of there's a lot of intellectual heft like to John McTiernan as a filmmaker, and, like that, and also that he doesn't. Are they fighting zombies in that film? Something like that. We should yeah, we should consider doing John McTiernan. I'd rather do Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas. So I could do some Almodovar. Almodovar. Which I don't know. Can we do that? Um, <laughs> I have to work on rolling my R's. But um, I th- I think well, I think the reason the weapon is so good is because it's ultimately about these two the guys and their relationship. And like again, Mel Gibson's gross, but like those movies are hard not to watch if they're on. Because yeah. they're so goddamn. He's still, I mean, obviously, he's still very charismatic on the screen, especially. He's like, an amazing. He's an amazing like, actor. Keep all the really horrible like anti-Semitism. And then I think, when, and also, I think it's. I think Lethal Weapon Two is really funny. I think there's moments that are really funny. One of the funniest parts is like, the there's a guy scene? with a machine gun, and like he. So he goes to their office and he pulls the gun. And he's like, hey, let me get a look at that thing. And the guy turns and he's like, oh, well, that's a nice Peter Harder. Where'd you get that? South Africa? And like, it's just so like, he's just so preposterously <laughs> over the top. And like, it's, I love that all those movies take on like an actual social issue. And like the bad yeah. guys in that movie are fucking racist, yeah. which is ironic considering where, uh, where, Mel Gibson where Mel Gibson ended up. Totally. Because he made like a celebrated franchise that had like pretty liberal values at the core of it. Like, yeah, but also know? they're, you know, they're still cops. Of course. Fine. But... <laughs> That's and f- also, if you want to be really critical of it, you could say that the, uh, like the obviously the interracial like buddy buddy thing is meant to kind of like assuage and like ameliorate really systemic racism in the op- police that, force that obviously can't. No, no, I just mean in the sense like, oh, like see, we as a society have advanced so far because you could have like a black cop and a white cop doing their thing, and isn't that great? I see your point, but I think that I think that the tension that comes from that relationship. Is actually really, you know, it's a movie that I think handles that better than the others. Is the Die Hard with a Vengeance? Oh yeah, yeah that movie yeah. has the the. That's a first of all a really underrated movie. That's the last Correct. decent Die Hard movie. Oh yeah, and I, there were two other three that? three other ones. Oh, yeah, God. Good Day to Die Hard, Live Free or Die Hard, and then like John McClane takes a shit hard. <laughs> um, I think there were three. I think there were three. That maybe just two. Welcome back to Lethal Cast. Anyway, um, so so uh, we cut to, we cut to that's General getting Rollins. cut out. No, 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 leave it in. It's okay. great. We cut the General Rollins, uh back in the courthouse. No, 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 leave it in. <laughs> Welcome back to Entendre Cast. Ooh, sexy. So, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm sick. She's in the courthouse. Daughter says, "Mommy, I don't want I to don't, live with I you anymore." And General Allen says, "What's with the accent?" She, she kind of loses her mind. Yeah, she does. She's very upset. But this is also when later on, which I didn't realize, I thought she was talking to another the judge. She's and this is actually her shrink. She's talking to her shrink or a therapist. That's the next scene, I believe. Yeah, um, but there's a quick like abrupt cut. There's a couple of quick abrupt yeah, cuts. Yeah, yeah. Now it's a movie too. that. Well, I think he knows when to, to when to move on. I bet the first cut of this movie was six goddamn hours. Probably long. amazing. And this is where the titular love stream comes in. So she, she says to her therapy therapist, <laughs> she says to her therapy, she says to her therapy. Well, later on, she's like, I'm here for the sex. 
who goes and she goes to a bowling alley looking for sex. Anyway, that's where I go. Uh, well, that's where I met my wife. Just, just like a real man. <laughs> you walk to the bowling alley, here to wait a woman. Hello, <laughs> I'm here for the sex. I'm here for the sex. I'm here. And maybe the long term uh, commitment relationship. Yeah. J- children. I'm here to find the the uh, the mother of my children. <laughs> So she's she's talking to her therapist and she says uh, she says love streams it's like a stream it keeps going it doesn't end and then the going. therapist says you gotta get laid you gotta get girl laid. yeah he's like you need a hobby hey or girl you gotta get laid girl but then there's another quick cut where she's in France she's in France yeah and I didn't realize I'm like why the fuck is she like and she has forty bot bags with her and there's this. Because he also Un- tells her, like, oh, you should get away. This, Yeah, she's like, go out of town. Again, where's the money coming from? Guess it doesn't really matter. But there's this unendurably so long... Oh, shit, you think she's a grave digger? Like a grave robber, even? She's, so she she's uh, what's his name from uh, Hamlet? The grave digger doesn't have a name. Yeah, he doesn't. And there's um, more than one. Okay, calm down, English professor. Did, um, um, did you ever teach Shakespeare? Yeah, I have, of course. Yeah. Which ones? Uh, the, as far as the plays go, I teach the sonnets a lot because I'm more of like a poetry kind of dude you were saying that the plays aren't poetry no they are but come on everybody knows they're overrated just kidding <laughs> in some ways i agree with you <laughs> but uh, i was going to comment um the grave richard the second's the best shakespeare play and uh come at me it's uh robin williams and billy crystal correct in yeah the, in the, the, in the, i do not like the brown no i like the it. official version. you prefer the mel gibson hamlet i do love it. i love it no i prefer it's like why is hamlet so anti-semitic i prefer the last action hero hamlet ah uh, yeah to to be to be or, or not to be not to be, be. we've referenced that three times so good so um so she's in france and she's yelling at this bag man and she's like dipping both into spanish and in yeah she, and it's just, it's a great cassavetti scene that just goes it's on amazing. and on and on and on and, and on then and it quickly on. cuts and she's in london she's in london and the guy's like Hey, Gavin, she won't. Her daughter's there. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a guy and he's helping her with her bags. And he's incredibly helpful considering the fact that she says, I hate you to him at one point. She goes, I hate you. (laughs) She's just pushing all these bags and she finds a pay phone. It's ridiculous. ridiculous. She finds the Doctor Who phone and she goes, because that's England. Ha ha ha. And she calls America. She calls. Well, first the queen's making calls. So she she, uh, rudely tosses the queen out of the booth. And she's like, get out of here. And the queen's like, oh, I'm so, I'm so, the queen is played by Hugh Grant. <laughs> so she, so a she's, 1984 Hugh Grant. So we don't see, we don't actually see her in any part. Like, there's never a scene where she's like in front of the Eiffel Tower yeah. or like in front of Big Ben. She's just in these hangar-like spaces where that are that are presumably airports in the 1980s before, like, you know, airports became like corporate stooge zones yeah. with just like a fucking Shake Shack at every turn. Mm. And she calls mm, Shake Shack, and she calls sponsored by Shake Shack, and then she calls her husband. Yes. Right, very briefly. Who in Chicago. Yeah. And she says... Silence. She doesn't say anything. <laughs> no, no, no. She says... <laughs> she wants to talk to her, her child, right? Or no, right. She, she, it's a, almost like... She, does she want to reconcile? I forget exactly. Yeah, she just calls. Yeah. Because she's like misses and, them. And, and, and he says he's like, like, we're divorced. Yeah, stop calling stop here. Stop calling. Um, should we do... Should we now just segue and do our silence cast? A podcast about the film Silence? Ooh, I was going to say uh, John Cage. But we could, it could be Fuck both. that, dude. Oh, Martin John Scorsese. Oh, so boring. John Cage. So goddamn pretentious, John Cage, with Ooh. your mushrooms. Um, so, it's a lot of editing in this A lot this of one. editing. So then we cut back to Robert. Who right. The, his child, Albie. Has shown up at his has home. Shown up at his home. He's, He's eight off. years old. Yeah. And the mother is there. And the mother uh, is like, I need you to take Albie's him. Mom, we have yeah. an opportunity to make some money. Yeah. <laughs> like, you need to watch this kid. And so, he takes the kid in. 
Kids uh, never really spend any time with the dad. Albie, by the way, do you think that's a reference to Edward Albie? Seriously? It could be. Yeah. That's an interesting. I never would have thought of it. I mean, this is a, based on a play. It is. And the screen, um, the playwright is, also co-wrote the screen. Which play. I think is one of the reasons this is maybe better than some of his, not better than some of his other films, but um, I appreciate the fact that he was working with a, with a theater writer because the scenes have a real, like, I don't know. I mean, theater writers don't write movie scenes the way that film writers might write a movie scene. And I think that the John Cassavetes kept his focus on like, actual scenes in this film and yeah. i think that that makes it a better and speaking of experience. fucking scenes so this is one of the best scenes in the entire yes. film so the child basically walks in he spends about an hour in the house he sees what he's like what the fuck is going on there's yeah. like strange women everywhere my dad won't stop drinking yeah. this and sequence is very funny and also very like sad and he bolts he's he like running yeah and cassavetes gets in his car oh my god and so scary. like this one yeah it's fucking frightening there's like basically a drone it's not a drone shot yeah. but there's a there's a camera following right behind following the, car, the car and the kid's like running in the street and, and the whole time you're convinced he's gonna hit the kid yeah. in the car. and eventually obviously yeah like he's he must be going like 40 50 miles an hour um and he pulls up like right next to the kid and it's like one continuous shot right it's, it's only really about like 10 good. seconds but it's really it's fucking w- yeah i think it might be longer than that it's maybe 45 to a minute it's and a like, great shot it turns it's like the french connection for a couple of minutes yeah it's really good and I don't know how they, I mean, the the insurance on that shot alone it's is very well done. This is actually, I think, the, the, the most money Cassavetes had to uh, work with. Really? Yeah. I wonder where he got it. Because the guys who financed this were like those Canon guys. Oh, Yolan. Yolan. Yeah. yeah, the guys who, do you know what else they produced? Masters of the Universe. Whoa. I think, yeah. I think they were the Canon guys. Deep yeah. cut. They were the so Canon. It's interesting, that the he, Canon it's interesting that he, I want to look it up. Because he was able to actually also pay his actors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For, for like the Which first time in a, yeah, I think so, ever. It's crazy to think um, that that's true. So, so basically, this he he stops the son from running away. Son comes back home with him, um, and yeah, and then they just have like uh, this really like intense kind of uh, you know couple of scenes together where they're like they're like reunited, drinking and beer. And they're drinking beer. Gets the kid him. drunk. He gets the kid drunk. He pours him an entire beer. Did you recognize the house? It's Casavetti's house. It's the house from Faces. Yeah, yeah. And I only knew it because of the bar. And because of the staircase, the bars. There's buried. a very prominent shot of the faces staircase, and I went, oh, that's, that's, it. "That's it." That's and it's just, uh, but I actually think that, like, one thing that we, um, one thing I think that someone, uh, like a very academically minded person, could write a film about the fact that he used his own home and like what the the history of using that house and the other house. Like, that's a good there's point. a really interesting look at at like the way that design and interior decoration changed from 1957 through 1984, looking through the lens of a John Cassavetes yeah. film, no, because great, yeah. the production design and the costuming in these films is so for a no budget thing is amazingly specific. And I think that it's really, really uh, amazing that it's the same house and like it, what that means and what that has to do. I also think it's just interesting to think about like him as a DIY filmmaker and being like, we're just going to use my house. Fuck it. Yeah, no, and what totally. that means for like living and making a film, like you know how you live and make those decisions. Yeah, and we've, sp- we've I think we spent some time talking about kind of the interiorities, uh, or the interiors, I should say, about this is, so many of these films and how claustrophobic they feel like. And this film is a return to that. You yeah. know, I think um, Gloria was obviously a lot more expansive, and um, Killing of a Chinese Bookie had a lot more different spaces. There's a lot of exteriors and right. kind of like running around outside, but yeah, like faces felt really claustrophobic. It's, you're never gonna watch that movie again. <laughs> um, so he gets the son drunk. And this thing, I think this is also where he has the line where he says, all my books are about women. Yes. Which is obviously kind of an important line. Rothian? Rothian? Is Roth, I don't, I don't I know, know Philip Roth well enough to say. Again, only tried to read Portnoy's complaint and couldn't get into it. So then, um, yeah, he gets a kid drunk. 
Yeah, kid gets drunk, <laughs> and then they go to Vegas. Yeah. Oh, and this is an, there's another scene though too in this right where there's another woman with a young child in the house. Yes, says, they're the, my it's friend. The, it's the assistant. It's it the is, assistant oh, from earlier the assistant? in the film. Oh, so that's he meets why this little it, girl, right. and he's kind of like, "This is my son, Albie." And they have kind of a moment. And again, a lot of this part of the film is seen through the eyes of this little boy who's kind of like never met his father before, is suddenly forced to spend 36 hours with him. And like, you know, he's not been in this kid's life, but it's very strange that the mother would just be like, here's your son that you don't know. Yeah, it's really. We'll be back in two days. Yeah. Um, so then they go to Vegas. Right. And Robert basically says to his son, like, you need to stay in this hotel room. And he goes, I can't sleep alone. I need to sleep. I need to sleep with somebody. If you know what I mean. Yeah. And he's kind of like, I'm going out. And then. Oh, and he says something like, be a man, right? Like, this is what men do. This is what men do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, this is one of the first father-son relationships we see in a John Cassavetes movie. It's actually maybe the only one. In most cases, the fathers are absent. Or we only see we see them very briefly. You know, the ending of Husbands when he's like, well, yeah. shake your father's hands. You know, like, it's interesting to see him make a make a movie with very a, much with a child we yeah. haven't seen that before. and well gloria also but with the father-son where they have like the couple very brief but very it's always there's always that question of being a man and manhood and yeah. like shake your father's hand or yeah. like be like deal with this and like again he leaves the kid in the hotel room totally and in vegas somebody walk, doesn't somebody walk in uh, the cleaning lady walks in and, and she's like, are, like you okay? are you hungry and he's like no yeah. and like the kid's just left alone and I, I'm assuming all I, well. It seems to be all night. Robert Harmon pulls into the parking lot or the drop-off spot of the hotel with two women. One's a cab driver, yes. the other's a woman, and he writes them both checks Correct. or like IOUs yeah. or something like that. He wrote some both checks. Wait, you thought one of the women was a cab driver? She's driving or something like that. She's, She's driving. driving. No, but it, the way I, maybe maybe I read it as like because she was driving, he yeah. was like paying or something. It was weird. I don't know what it was. I mean, I just it just read that way. He, to he me. was paying for the that sex. makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, she was a cab driver. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's what he told the son. Yeah. No, she just drove me home. No, 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 no. No, 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 no all like, cab drivers it, come upstairs. Yeah, it's not what you think. I was hanging out with these yeah, cab no, drivers so she, all yeah. night. Jesus Christ. What's wrong with me? I just literally went like, oh, she's a cab driver. But it's just like it's also just like the like wow it took me back like the re- people really like cut checks in 1984. My mom still cuts like, checks. Like, she's like, oh, let me just pay with check, and I'm like, you're at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, but just writing a check for like nine dollars. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So he comes upstairs, and the the kid's like, I want to go the home. He's freaking out, and he's like, I told you I was going out. <laughs> He's kind of like, I told you. So we had an like, agreement. If you've ever had, had a conversation with a child, you can't really reason with them and be like, this is what I told you I was going to do. Like, it's a very interesting moment. He in made a reasonable request. He's like, just stay in the hotel room for about 12 hours. Oh, I'll go be back. I know you don't have any food or Build access. a four with the pillows. What's, what, else, what else is there to As do? As one would do. He left an eight-year-old alone for 12 hours. No, he's not a good dad. Yeah, he's a bad dad. He's not a good dad. So. So they go, he goes back to L.A. Yes. Uh, and this is where Sarah shows up. Sarah shows up with two cabs. One one cab she's riding in with her stuff, and the other cab has just more of her stuff in it. And this is a great scene because he's uh, the Albie's like, "Dad, there's a uh, someone here." Yeah. And he goes out to the car and he opens the door, and, and they uh, hug. Yeah. And then he just falls on her, and we're like, "Oh!" And we we've come to really, actually the film doesn't really spell it out explicitly, but. You know, I knew because I'd read a little bit about the film that there were siblings, but um, which is not interesting, kind of also dynamic. So they intru- so he introduces uh, Sarah, his sister, to Albie, his son, and she's like, "I haven't seen you since you were born." Yeah, and it's really that. I mean, that's also really kind of a touching scene as well, because right. obviously she's um, his aunt, Aunt George, Aunt, as the English would say, Aunt, Aunt. <laughs> and this is when Robert's like, "I'm taking you back to your mom." Right. I. Uh, 
takes her back to the house. Right. He drops the kid off. Uh, and then I forgot why. So he basically, he, he rings the doorbell. The kid goes in. He walks away, right? And then he walks yeah. back to the front door. Well, so he goes in the house mm-hmm. and there's some commotion. And they're like, how the fuck happened? Well, the, the sister, well, the mother comes out and she's like, what did you, he runs back to the house because he wants his mom. Yeah. And the mo- the mother's like, what did you do? What did you do? Whatever. And, um, and this is also really interesting. Kind of like Harwood, wa- Harmon walks away. Yeah. Why do I keep saying Harwood? I don't <laughs> Harmon walks away, but he something makes him go back, and I think it's what he hears from the house. He hears commotion in the house, and yeah. he goes. But wait, how, how, what happened if the child just fell, like on the car ride over? I forgot exactly how he, he gets kind of fucked up. But it's an all, interesting also juxtaposition, obviously, with um, Harmon's busted face from earlier as well. Right, right. Yeah. A lot of busted faces in these so films. It, it kind of connects. So the them kid's in a very, worse very for wear. He's you know gotten drunk, and then the stepdad comes out and beats the shit. Beats out the shit, of him. but it's, I think the stepdad be- doesn't just beat the shit out of him. I think the stepdad beats the shit out of people, and it's an interesting oh. moment because I think he's abusive. Because Harmon kind of goes like, "Hi, I'm Robert Harmon." Like he actually like. He's pretty civilized about oh, it. Oh, he like, is. I think yeah, he yeah. Just no, he's to... totally the victim in this, yeah, right? Because he, he he obviously didn't do anything to the child. And either. I think he goes back to see like what's going on here. You know what I mean? Like he could just turn his back and never see the kid, which away. he never does again. But he goes back to see what the deal is, and um, and then the mom comes running up after him after yeah. the shit being out of him, and again he's like bleeding again, right. um, and he's really kind of fucked up. Um, and I think he says he has a funny line where he's like, "Oh, I guess it wasn't wasn't much of a vacation." Yeah, exactly. But he also the the mom the, the mom says like, "He's your son. He's your son." And he says, "I'm like, oh, it's too late. It's too late." Yeah, it's a gets, sad moment. And he gets in the car and he drives away. I think he can't really connect. The only person that he can clearly connect to in the film is um, his sister. Yeah, in like a truthful, honest way. Totally. So he goes back to the house, and this is also where he has one of those great lines. He goes, "Life is a series of suicides, divorces, smashed heads, whatever." Right. So they go. <laughs> he goes back to the house, and they're kind of like connecting. And they're dancing and they're having a good time. We yeah. sort of see them interacting. And then he gets a phone call. And this is an interesting moment because she's like, hey, it's X on the phone. And he immediately disengages. He, he, He's like, yep, cool. Hi. And like he doesn't really, he like yeah, stops yeah. the connection with his sister. So he goes, he goes back to the home of Susan, who's the singer from early in the film, who has already kind of shown up a few times and been like, hey, can we see each other? Which, again, it's very strange. She has a moment earlier in the film where she's like, I'd like to see more of you. Which I don't understand why. But. And um, it's a little bit of a, a weak, I don't know, a narrative weak link to the movie. But again, like might be that one of the things that's... But the scene also of. proves that she's not as into him as... So he she, goes back to the house and the, the, the her mother is there. And, and he has a really kind of like touching like scene with the mother, with the mom, because they're like dancing, dancing, and she's and kind of like dressed la- up funny yeah. and they're drinking. And he's like lavishing attention on her, lavishing attention. And she shows up. Um, Susan, Susan shows, shows up, up with a with a with a sort of straight and narrow looking gentleman. Yeah, and, and um, clearly this guy's like, who the fuck is this guy? Who the fuck is this? <laughs> and um, it's a very strange. It's a it's a power power dynamic. I think. It reveals the fact that Harmon is needy but doesn't want to admit that he's needy and like maybe wants some stability. I don't know. Maybe I'm overreading yeah, no, it, or th- he just wants to go to ex- go from like experience to experience. But also the the, the way this uh, um, scene is then is, is filmed, the implication is that the mom called him. Yes. Yeah, and she, and it's really interesting that he would drop everything, not even for like the daughter who's like he's ostensibly sort of kind of like right. dating, but that he would go over and like you know. Hang out with the mom. mom. Because I mean, I mean, in a certain sense of like, he needs that kind of like maternal like care. He needs someone to take care of. Yeah, which he is a man. Yeah, he is a man. Uh, And then this is basically also like, so nothing really happens. He just walks out. Yeah, but he but he kind of humiliates her in front of this guy. Yeah, 
And I think he leaves more questions asked. And this is pretty much the end of that relationship. End of that. Yeah, we don't see her again in the film with Erica. And then we cut to Sarah, who goes to a bowling alley to, for the, right. looking for the sex. Looking for the sex. Which is amazing. And this is a really funny scene, too, because she, she like gets involved with like a, um, a group of men, and she's trying to bowl. Well, she's bowling. She, By the way, without I was on. very disappointed that it cut away from... Because it looked like she threw like a perfect... Oh, and it cut um, away? What do you call a pitch? Yeah. Uh, 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 like... That's a very good uh, throw. Yeah, she, she threw the ball. Tossed, she threw the ball she real good. the ball and ball. Really good. Really good throw. <laughs> and I and then it cuts away, and I was like, damn it, because it looks like she nailed it. She's wearing high heels. I think she's trying to be appealing. I think she's... I thought she took her shoes off. But right. She's trying to take her shoes off. Yeah. And um, it's a really kind of funny... It's a bit of a funny scene. Um, so they come back... To the house. To the house. And I don't I don't think they've done the sex, but you and think I they've think done they the sex. I think they have done the sex. Really? So I think what happened was... Am I prudish? Perhaps. Okay. You know, it's funny you should say that too because earlier in the film, one of the earliest scenes is um, where Cassavetes walks into the bathroom and like there's like two or three women like frolicking in the bathtub. And right. And clearly kind of not having it. And I thought here was going to be a moment of unnecessary nudity, but there isn't. You just see like his face and he's clearly like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, okay. And the only reason I say that is because um, he was notorious. He notor- like did not want not sex. Want nudity. Nudity yeah, in film. Like it's an interesting thing. I mean, it also shows like he's not as extreme as like, he wasn't into in, like an empty kind of provocation. Yeah, it's not about like um, titillation or like sen- right. being anything like sensational. So like even all like the nudity in Chinese book, he feels like it's almost, I mean, necessary or it's not a gratuitous, I should say. Right, 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 right. Um, in a way that it, I think it could be. But anyway, so they come back home. It's yeah, maybe it's, it's unclear about whether they've had the sex or not. Right. Uh, but this is where they have this amazing conversation. About love. Robert and Sarah have about love and about creativity. So she's being told that she needs to be more creative by her therapist and therapist. all the people around her. Oh, mostly by her therapist. Yeah. Well, her therapist is more like, you should get a hobby. You should get a hobby, which is like really interesting thing to tell a person. <laughs> which is just like a, a woman, a, especially. Like, oh, you just lost this child in your life? Take up crocheting. Yeah, that's totally chill. It's <laughs> whatever. Um, and they, and he asked, she asked if love is creative. And the love streams thing, I think, comes back. Comes here. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, she says again something like, oh, um, do you believe love is a continuous I love love. stream? Right, exactly. Um, Heraclitus, am I right? Is that what Ooh, you had Oh, look well. at you, Heraclitus. Dropping the pre-Socratics on this Oh, podcast. I love it. Up high. Booyah, welcome to, welcome to Smart Guy Podcast. And fuck you, Socrates. Oh, shit. Take that. That guy ruined everything. Heraclitus. I'm all about Thales. Yo, Socrates. What's up? What's up? Hey, Plato, you too. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck right? yourself. Go fuck oh, yourself, Plato. Oh, oh, cool. You wrote the Republic. <laughs> yeah. Repu- I got your Republic right you here. All, yeah, I got your Republic right here. Uh, but it's Marks or nothing. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Bernie 2020. Dialectical materialism. Yeah. How about Marx Engels 2020? Frankfurt. Right? Oh, Frankfurt. Oh. Frankfurt. <laughs> Frankfurt. <laughs> Frankfurt. School. School. So then they have, yeah, it's a brilliant Germany. conversation. Germany. <laughs> I don't know. Just, cut that just, out. That's got to go. Cut it out. Not Nazis. Yeah. All like the good stuff about Germany. Germany, but not Nazis. But not Nazis. That should be um, their that should be their new like German <laughs> travel thing. Germany in parens, but not Nazis. But not Nazis. It's a beautiful conversation and it gets, I think, to a lot of what this film's about. And also like a meta commentary on um Cassavetes' films because he's obsessed with love. obviously the theme of love. So this is actually where the cover for the I think the significantly cover for oh, the yeah, Criterion yeah. collection comes from. Is there's a slow push in on Sarah as she's speaking to Robert. Robert's off screen and at a certain moment he reaches forward and takes her hand. And when he takes her hand, um you don't see him, you only see his, see hand. his hand. And it's kind of an interesting visual metaphor for what yeah. the film is about, which is it's kind of about two people who want the same things in life. Or, or I guess, uh, well, well, two people uh, who want, 
one who wants connection in her life and the other who wants connection but doesn't want to have to yeah. pay for the emotional consequences of what it means to like love someone and then except uh, for his sister and then this is also where sarah calls again the house calls right. um seymour excel and he says something like i'm struggling raising this kid right he's like i this is tough and it's interesting how a lot of scenes in this film um or the scenes between sarah and um robert get interrupted by like sort of external things like phone calls or things like that yeah. you know like there's a kind of a there's kind of a break in the stream of love Oh, so uh, Seymour Cassell calls and he's like, "I it's hard for me to be a parent." I'm, yeah. I'm which is like, "Fuck you." Do I? Do, how often do I have to feed this kid? Just, and the kid's kind Once of like, "Mummy." Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, and which he's kind of like, "Our our relationship is over, but I want you to help me raise this." And kid. the kid asks the mom over the she at some point like interrupts, picks up the phone. She's like, "Did you have this sex, mommy?" Which is weird. Why was she it? actually? No, does she actually ask if she had yes, sex? Yes, she does. That's right. She or does ask. She does. Yes. She's like, asking, yeah, did you get laid, did mom? Did you find the sex you were looking for? That's this right. daughter lying. She's did you find friend. the sex you were And I'm like, so clearly like the father is feeding her lines or telling her like what the mom is doing. Because this is not something that a randomly like a 10-year-old child, I think, would ask their mom. Yeah, I think you're totally right. It's an interesting thing. But also maybe it's a uh, healthy thing that she's like, hey, mom's going to go get laid. Wait, you mean the son? The the father's like saying this? No, the do- like Gina Generellans is like, it, I'm out. It I'm out. It doesn't come across yet. Robert picks up the phone yes. and like yells at Seymour Cassell and says, He's like, like hey, you're being an alone. asshole. So yeah. they listen to the conversation and actually um, everyone's, it's kind of like a comic moment because everyone's like on the line kind of being like, I'm just listening. <laughs> but he, yeah, Robert Harmon picks up and it's like a very uh, rare moment, but he's kind of like, you're being an asshole. Cut it out. Like, yeah. I'm going to beat the shit out of you, basically. He does the brother thing. He does the brother thing, protects her. And this is when the film. Patriarchal brother thing, but he does the brother thing. Really gets fucking out of well, hand. Well, she collapses like she does earlier. She in the collapses. Film. Every time something happens where Sarah's not. She collapses, here she collapses earlier in the film when uh, the daughter is like, I don't want Oh, yeah, in the courthouse. Yeah, yeah, she, she kind walks of like, out yeah, and like, she lies collapses down. On, the, on the floor. Um, so then... So then she goes on and gets like a... a, a, a she buys a farm, basically. <laughs> she, oh, my God. How did I forget about that? Yeah, this is like yeah the so the very scene. next scene, she kind of says that... Uh, again, her attempt to heal people, she decides to tell Robert... She decides, like, Robert, you need something in your life. So she goes to buy him like a rabbit and, and has this back. long scene. This is really sad. Like basically buys all these animals, including dog. the dog from like a guy who clearly loves his dog yeah. and like, doesn't want to get rid of his dog, a, dog, but a goat, all these animals, um, all these animals. Is there a Noah's Ark thing going on in the last 30 minutes of this movie? Uh, that's really so anyway, she brings all these animals home and uh, they're kind of all in the house and it's totally insane. It's totally and it's insane. when the film kind of takes a um, surrealist kind yeah. of twist which is really interesting <laughs> um brief note you know uh recently um i was looking at the criterion website and um they had uh lucretia martell oh going yeah. through all the criterion dvds <laughs> she said every human being should have love streams in their collection uh-huh. and i don't know did you see zama i did not it's, I fucking, want to. it's on amazon socialize amazon it's on amazon <laughs> but um watch it after we socialize. watch watch it after uh we socialize after after bernie 2020 so uh, anyway her film has a real surrealist touch and there's this thing with animals and you can't help but wonder if like ah, if the surrealism with this film there's like a scene in zama where the guy's having a conversation and there's like i forget what it is but there's like a peacock or a donkey behind yeah. him just kind of staring at the camera and it's like really arresting and amazing. There's a, there, yeah no there's always something uh i guess obviously fundamentally surreal whenever you bring 
farm animals into so a she house. brings the farm animals home and robert's a little like what the fuck like, do you want me to do with on? these but yeah. he's also like he's weirdly sympathetic like, he doesn't lose his mind like i would lose my fucking mind yeah it also speaks to the fact that like again this is a movie that deals with mental health in a really interesting way it doesn't assign a value like by any traditional standard bringing home a whole bunch of animals to like the home of a alcoholic we haven't really gotten into how much he drinks in this film but like an alcoholic lunatic there's a lot of empathy in the fact that if a person were to bring all these animals home you might assume that they're mentally unbalanced to assume that they could handle the responsibility of having a fucking farm at their house but the film never there's never a moment where he's like you're crazy it's clearly also done uh she's doing it because she wants to take care of something she wants to take care of something she doesn't have her daughters out of her life i also think that like she feels a little betrayed by her daughter so she's kind of like fuck it possibly interesting and there's a there's a brief scene where like robert calls over the doctor to take a look at her um the doctor's great it's a great little performance because it's a quiet little thing but the the awesome scene after that is when she she does like uh not reconcile but she the kid comes over to see her um and Seymour Casella comes over to see her and she's like doing all like these like terrible like that's in her head dude is it that's in her head Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because she after, faints. Yes, yes. You're right. I was sorry. like, you th- I didn't. No, so no, no. she faints and a doctor comes doctor and the doctor's comes. like, uh, I'm really worried about her. She's not responding to her. Uh, right. She's not responding. Her eyes aren't responding to like my tests and she looks very sick and she's laying in bed with the dog. Yeah. And she begins to have these elaborate. Yeah. Um, surrealist. F- I mean, I don't, I don't think she would be like, Oh, these are very surreal, but she starts to have these fantasies that play out on screen. Right. So she has this sort of like apparatic ballet moment with her daughter and with Seymour Cassell. And we're watching these kind of like fever induced fantasies play out, mm-hmm. including one where, her the family uh, her daughter and uh, he comes over to visit and she's doing all these like sight gags she like has like a you know i'm trying to remember what they were but she has like crazy glasses on and like like does yeah. all these and she's not getting any she's laughs it's like teeth. not funny you know so like the film kind of looks at like her relationship the end of her relationship with her daughter and um seymour cassell through this like tragic operatic lens and then yeah. through this like kind of comedic absurd well because then there's this like incredible also backflip <laughs> She does. Remember, she does like the backflip off of the diving. She jumps board off the, the diving pool. board. Yeah. It's this really insane scene where she's just trying to get a laugh from them, and it, it culminates with her jumping off a diving board. Yeah, and then, but and then it turns into the the musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is fucking amazing. So then the, another kind of um, again surreal a hallucination that she has is this. Yeah, it's this very weird. Um, like theatrical musical thing um, with, a, with, an, uh, with an audience kind of and this is what reminds me of like holy motors and one of the things i love about this movie is like he doesn't up to this point i would say it's been a fairly realistic movie but he doesn't shy away from going like really off the deep end and it's 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 admirable i think he just was like i'm gonna swing for the fences with this fucking because thing and i have the money to do it he's not the only one that's also tripping the fuck out because you cut to robert uh, talking to the dog. So Robert is now taking care of the animals, and a tremendous rainstorm has in. hit, um, has hit LA, and it's just raining, raining. And actually, there's some behind-the-scenes footage of them shooting this. I don't know if you saw it. I'll send it to you. But like, they were just—they had so many goddamn sprinklers going. There's people with hoses. Like, they were really soaking that place. It looks shooting. like it's a fucking torture. And it's interesting because in the final, let's say, 20, 30 minutes of this movie, Robert starts to take care of the animals. He's feeding them. He's taking them around. Yeah. He's, he kind of assumes the responsibility for something because his sister is sick. And I think that that's kind of a, if there's a conventional narrative to this film, it's him assuming responsibility when someone else cannot. Yeah. 
Uh, and there's this really just like beautiful moment where again he's like sitting by himself. Right. The dog's there, and he looks over, and the dog like has magically transformed into this man. Right. So there's a uh, there's they're sitting there. You're jumping way ahead, aren't I? Feel like am I? Well, so she wakes up from her sort of coma, and she decides I'm going to go to Chicago. And he or she's going to leave. She's oh, going to leave. She's yeah, gonna, I got to get a flight to Chicago. I got to go home. So he's sort of sitting at a table, and there's a cut to the dog. I guess you're not jumping that far ahead. Yeah. And then there's <laughs> a cuts to him, and then it cuts to this. What is the same angle as the dog before, but instead it's just this man yeah, sitting naked in a chair. Dude, and he's giving him like this sly smile. So what do you think that's and about? Cassavetti's just like laughing his ass off. Right. Also, I, what a great laugh John Cassavetti yeah, says. Yeah. This is like, a, it, I don't know. I You know, it's funny because I didn't want to, I remember specifically thinking to myself like, don't overanalyze the scene. Right. Because there's just like a, a real like beauty and weirdness and magic to it right that i think kind of like overanalyzing it would kind of like no it's definitely like kind of a magical realism i hate that expression the term but (laughs) there's definitely like quality of like maybe overthinking it is ridiculous because again at the end of the day this is a movie about two people that enter each other's lives and then again for you know after years apart and then i mean i think fundamentally if you do want to analyze or say like oh what does it suggest it suggests a certain kind of um him making peace with what's, what's about to happen and that meaning that sarah's about to leave him interesting why in an interesting way why why do you think that oh um well because obviously the dog the dog becomes a person well a stand-in yeah like mm. in the sense, like he now he has to take again not only to take care of this animal but all the other animals and there's like one or two scenes too right before this where he clearly seems to have bonded with the dog right um so that's how i read it it's just kind of no, that's like interesting. an acceptance I- of his isolation alienation but that he'll be fine i kind of didn't read it like I didn't read it, so I think that that's interesting. So Sarah decides to leave. Sarah decides to leave, and it's pouring rain. And the guy from the bowling alley shows up to pick her up. Yeah, and they leave. And there's a final moment where kind of Cassavetes puts on this hat, puts on his rain hat, yeah. which he's been outside in, and kind of tips it. And then the movie ends, and the that's movie. the final. Well, shot. He, put, he puts something on the jukebox, right? Put something on the jukebox, tips his hat, and that's the final that's moment it. of John Cassavetes on screen in anything. Yeah. It's the last acting he ever did. Oh wow! Pretty sure. Fades yeah. black. I, at the very what least, like, I guess maybe if it's not his final piece of acting, it's the final piece of acting he did in a John Cassavetes movie. And it becomes eerily kind of depressed, sad to think that, like, that's it. And this film is definitely about, uh, again, like separation. Yeah. And alienation and, and isolation. Oh. That was a sound effect of me separating. <laughs> Uh, but a, I, I really enjoy this film. It's a great. It's a. It's a. I think, I think it's, you liked it more than I did, but I really. I just think it, it combines all the good stuff. That was great. Um, and it also, uh, it's very big and very small. And uh, I don't know. I was. And it also, I I do think I was having a Twitter conversation about this film with 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 our buddy Peter Rinaldi, who loves this movie. Um, and I was like, and he basically he wasn't he wasn't able to make the screening, but he was saying like, I'm glad you saw it on the big screen. I think the film. I think. I think we've actually, it's disappointing that we haven't been able to see all these on the big screen because they have such a different impact. I mean, every film nobody does, would screen them for us. It's really disappointing that Bam didn't. But like, I've, the only, I've only seen two John Cassavetes movies on the big screen and one was Husbands. I'm beginning. Uh, and I was blown away by it. Lincoln Center has stopped responding to my emails, my threatening emails about like, why won't you just screen some Cassavetes please. films for me and my friend? Why won't you do it? In the middle of the day, come on. And like, sir, please get out. So you have to leave. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, I think it's. I think that the movies uh, lose something by uh, on the small screen. That I think that in this film in particular, it's such a big film comparatively to the other films. I just I'm just imagining that car chase. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was really nice. The the, the film uh, was sold out. The screening was sold out. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. They showed some really good stuff. They also show Ali, Fear Eats the Soul, which I don't know if you've ever seen that film, but I love that film. Some George Romero stuff, too. That's a different series. You fucking idiot. It's not the same title to the Fosbinger series. Love Streams. Check it out. Check it out. Uh, I'm Liam. I was Liam Billingham. I will be George Fergopoulos. And this was and will continue to be Uber Busters. Yay! Adorno. 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 No, you say Frankfurt, I say school. Frankfurt. School. Frankfurt. School. Have you stopped listening? I fell asleep. (laughs) 